Part three, chapter twenty of Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, Berlin, chapter twenty. One morning on a bright day in spring, Martin hurried round to see his beloved friend. She lived about a mile away from him, and he had to ride down Unter den Linden in order to get to her he had just finished his third light opera and a sense of freedom and recurrence of youth came over him although he had sat up all night the whole winter had been passed in not too arduous work which was preoccupying enough to keep him in love with sophie who remained the most charming the most radiant creature alive her charm and her loveliness seemed to have increased under his caresses and he belonged to her in all his free moments as the shadows belong to the sunlight as he rode gaily down the linden at an early hour the shops were washing their faces and had menials manicuring their front doorsteps as it were those artful creatures the stereotyped shop assistants who in the daytime dressed in smart clothes and tyrannized over customers were behaving like human beings as they walked along the pavements to their work the men were chatting and joking with the women the girls were amusing themselves at the expense of the boys when schuler came to the brandenburg gate with the quadriga of victory upon the top it seemed to him that its looming proportions were the statue of the mighty german nation for the sun fell full upon it this morning but in the evening when the sun was behind it and cast its huge shadow forward it seemed like an austere and overhanging rock to-day birds could be seen perching upon its cornices and even building their nests in the niches that presented themselves what a lot of nests there must be in the chariot of victory he thought and as in former days the thought inspired a musical idea a cloud of birds fly from the chariot of victory he said to himself as he rode under the archway when he got through the brandenburg thor he turned his horse towards the friedrichsvorstadt the linden trees were budding the sparrows chattering dogs ran cheerily after their owners and little children on their way to school were daring to play upon the steps of the victory monument and the hall of the imperial diet all nature was merry so that in spite of a feeling of weariness he kept his restive horse at a brisk walk with the aid of rein and heel he experienced a curious feeling of happiness i am myself again he thought perhaps it was the feeling of youth that dispersed his experiences and gave him simplicity for a moment he hesitated whether to call upon sophie or to go for a long ride he went for a ride and turned his horse to the charlotten chaussee because that way was long and straight he could ride here at ease and enjoy his morning thought he thought he was very much like what he used to be in the old days before leipzig and that social life was a little tiring he began to want to be alone in his little house in the black forest but a consideration of sophie's feelings drove away the desire he seemed to see his love for sophie as a reality and his love for hella as a far-away dream like a floating castle upon clouds love like that is not to be found down here he said to himself i should like to marry sophie and carry her off to my quiet den so he went on talking quietly to himself as one does in the early day when riding upon a horse or walking over a hill no i believe if i were with her all night and day i should tire of her that is a heresy well i can think of heresies the notion of steinbach occurred to him and he felt a little uneasy and asked himself if there were an afterlife 
an idea which did not really trouble him of course there is he said no of course there is not there is a power of evil i am not pure but after all i am not so bad he began to wonder where he was riding to whether it was to charlottenburg or to an ultimate goal but he had only a vague idea of what that goal might be he decided that he was not yet dead nor had he really lived he felt for a moment that he had been amusing himself for years and waiting for something and that in the meantime he had allowed people to handle him and influence him then the idea vanished as he looked at the arch of his horse's neck and said my horse is a good horse he wondered if people admired him upon horseback for it seemed that he had looked presentable in the glass of the shop windows of the linden the sun shone down upon him a light wind blew refreshingly in his face it wafted the trees about and the long streamers of water from the public fountains the trees formed long parallel lines before him between which ran the ever-narrowing roadway to which a thin sprinkling of people seemed to be glued so constant was their number upon it the people looked very small especially in the distance when compared with the wide roadway and the trees how little everybody is thought martin but he himself felt about as large as the statues dotted about the park which are mostly of the heroic size and compare well in height with the trees and fountains he was unable to conceive the idea that these little creatures walking about the road had erected the brandenburg gateway just behind him or the charlotten palace to which he was going it was difficult for him to credit that the builder of palaces was not nature the trees will soon be in full leaf he thought a little further on how i sigh for the forests of bavaria i would like to see berta my sister her children must be tall and strong by now are any of them musicians perhaps one of them will outrival me no damned be the thought i will be the greatest of our family suddenly he was overcome with impatience and turning his horse made his way quickly by cross routes to the house of the countess von Sebaltz. when he arrived in her boudoir he saw signs that she had risen the morning sun filled the apartment everything glittered with white sunshine the door into the bedroom was open and in the doorway stood the countess drying her ears with a fine lawn towel when martin saw how beautiful she was erect in the morning sun he cried out oh you remind me of all that i have not attained how innocent you are she said with rapture you remind me of all that i have not been he began to approach her with hasty awe as if she were a dream but she vanished into the bathroom and he could hear by the splashing that she had descended into her bath he retired and sat down with a sigh his eyes ached a little what hours she stayed in the water presently however she emerged in a muslin robe de chambre with a huge cape of frills that half hid her face he rose and went up to her then put his left arm around her and with his right hand pressed back the frills of her cape in order to kiss her the firm muscles of her beautiful youthful back were against his left hand as he held her well and lightly between his two kisses she adored him and said wonderfulest man most wonderful woman he replied and the lightness and strength of that beautiful embrace could scarcely be excelled when they were seated at the breakfast-table drinking coffee and eating rolls he said i came to tell you i came to announce it is done the third one dedicated to you well done excellently done she said stroking his hand but my dearest one looks a little tired i worked till four o'clock this morning 
he laughed a love laugh and jumping up suddenly kissed her mouth she was laughing too presently she said have you ever loved anybody as you love me no one he replied have you ever loved anybody at all i had a most troublesome and heavy-footed passion for a good woman once she demanded a complete sacrifice to love not to herself to love it was all too serious it did not endure sophie sighed and said that she had had her photograph taken do not give it to anybody but me said martin of course i would not dream of such a thing do i want everybody to have me to stare at martin came and knelt at her feet his feeling of former days was returning he put his arms around her and hid his face on her breast in order to shut out the present it was strange for him to have such a strong recurrence of the past he seemed to have before his eyes a photograph of his youth his loaded memory from which up to now he had taken nothing was perhaps beginning to burst his thoughts came to a head i am thirty he muttered and i am not satisfied with myself i am most displeased never will i write anything more sophie stroked his hair you are only thirty dearest she said what is the matter with my little one his mood of self-criticism passed in a flash but he still hid his head in her breast how often am i not content she said soothing him how often i am displeased with myself when i was a girl i was so innocent and young that my only dream was to be the faithful companion of a man and a faithful mother of little children fate has given me quite different things to do and i try to do them well perhaps your successes are not quite those you dreamed of but they are brilliant does not everybody love and admire you does not everybody you want fall at your feet your sophie does she is your little slave perhaps she is not very good some people call her a little fool and are writing letters to her husband about her but i do not think i am wicked and if so i must be wicked because you are so wonderful are you not wonderful of necessity i am not good i forgot hella von rosenthal said martin as easily as a fledgling forgets its mother this seemed to him at the moment a crime i may forget you you are a genius answered sophie everything you do is right i am sure she does not reproach you i am sure she has only a few little regrets because she is human martin who did not want to have the subject of hella enlarged upon kissed her under the chin in that small hollow that frenchwomen are so proud of my darlingest he whispered you smell of wild roses and honeysuckle that is my idea of you you are my genius and my nurse how lovely you looked in your doorway when i want pure inspiration i shall come and watch you after he had kissed her he got up and left her outside the servant was holding his horse for him he gave him a large tip which was unusual and mounted gaily he rode down to the potsdam gate but the day was so beautiful that he decided to resume his interrupted ride to charlottenburg when he got there he stabled his horse and walked to the mausoleum which he entered he liked the entrance with the marble angel and the theatrical light effects anything with wings was particularly attractive to him entering he found himself among dead emperors and empresses he stared some moments at the beautiful recumbent figure of the queen louise and a desire to pray came upon him but to what he did not know perhaps to queen louise he seemed to be begging of her to lift him up but out of what he could not tell perhaps to a love he had forgotten to a state of mind that he had fallen from 
his love for sophie had none of the depth of passion of those days upon the mountains with hella yes the pure marble of the statue recalled the snow upon the mountains and yet hella was like the deep sea and sophie was in perfect taste like a carven statue he did not require a woman who demanded from him the sacrifice of his whole soul he required one who would fill him with life and joy and the power to do great things was sophie sufficient her body was a fine representation of the intellectual did he lie within himself sufficient unto himself like these dead bodies should he repel outward influences and like a great river flow from his own soul only his heart seemed full to breaking he stretched his arms above his head like one who aspires physically regardless of a number of tourists who with devout steps were prowling around the great dead of the old world and sniffing their last musty savour with nostrils dilated for the very purpose he heard the curator whisper under his breath that is martin von schuler would he point me out to them if i had gone my own way he thought perhaps fame is better than immortality the boldest of the tourists dared to ask him for an autograph no he said in german i can write nothing but music none of which she understood except the negative the curator laughed however and winked at martin as the party left the place but he remained behind and continued his meditations staring at the floor with his hands in his pockets his last work had been an effort he had found it necessary to work up to a standard the standard of his second opera he had to keep in the same vein that was the most difficult part and at the same level he was pleased with himself but he did not feel that a third effort upon the same lines was possible to him for he did not count the coquettes which was an accident well he thought at last i cannot stand here all day i had better go and see if they are overfeeding my mare he spent the afternoon choosing a present for sophie von Zebaltz in order to commemorate the occasion he was not fond of jewels he liked giving her flowers but on this occasion he chose a ring which the jeweller's assistant at wagner's assured him was quite what she liked it was a cameo of the head of the medusa with black hair and a white face upon a black background we have ascertained that several queens have worn it excellency said the salesman a jewish person with a beak nose confirmed this statement aberzo he said taking the jewel from martin and examining it with a lens aberzo it is the finest the most royal jewel in our establishment besides this ring he had only given her a jewelled cigarette case and a pearl upon a long platinum chain for this he had paid about eighteen thousand marks the pearl always hung near her heart in the most sacred of love's shrines for he called it his frozen kiss as for other gifts he was not fond of books the only book he had ever given her was plato's phaedrus in greek which neither of them could read he gave it to her because countess ardstein had told him that it contained the epitome of perfect love end of part three chapter twenty recording by expatriate in bangor maine